The ESPN San Antonio Audio Vault is powered by AA Best Bail Bonds. 210-225-2121. Or online at mybestbailbonds.com. Michael Jimenez. Halftime. Yes, sir! It's halftime on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250, 94.5 FM. We're on the go at com. My name's Michael Jimenez, your host from 12 to 2. Happy Tuesday, everybody. You know, I've gotten so used to say 94.5 FM, but uh, rumor has it, according to some commercials, we're, we're moving to 103.3 on February 1st. You're allowed to slip up so when it actually happens. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But we're going to 103.3, apparently, stronger signal. It is. I've been trying to just pick up where I can get it, and I'd say in Selma, uh, where I live, it's uh, mostly better. That's outstanding. Looking forward to that. That is Carl Schoenig, who's producing and my co-host today. Big show today. We're live on Facebook and YouTube. Like, subscribe. You can check us out. Leave a comment. We're also on Twitter. If you want to reach out to us that way, I'm at Mike ESPN SA. Carl is at Carl ESPN. Lots to get into today. Hey, the Spurs, man, picked up yet another moral victory last night. I have counted five, but Carl thinks it's a larger number. Pretty sure it's like 18. I know. Maybe We're going to have to go back to the beginning of the season. There were like five or six at the start of the year. They had a recent uh, moral victory against the Nets, which was a really good game that they took into overtime. But we're going to get into this loss against the Suns. And Spurs fans, you know, this is a safe space. Let's talk about this, man. We 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 need to possibly embrace the tank. We're halfway through the season, man. Come on. So we're going to get into the draft. What are the odds as of right now of the Spurs moving up to the top four? players to potentially look at, and teams to replicate. We've talked about Cleveland, but there's another team that I think the Spurs can look at and go, you know what, we need to do what they're doing. We'll be talking about that around 12.15. At 12.30, the NFL divisional playoff matchups are set, and I am super excited by some of these matchups. We'll go over the odds and uh, maybe pick some winners along the way. One o'clock hour, Cowboy fans. You know, we also need to have a, a nice talk, a nice heart-to-heart. Let's revisit the topic of, is Dak Prescott elite? More importantly, is he the Cowboy? Is he going to lead the Cowboys to glory? Do you still have faith in Dak Prescott? If you want to talk to us about any of these topics, the Kielbasa Bacon phone lines are open at 656-ESPN. Again, that is 656-ESPN at 1.30. You know, I didn't uh, ask for this, didn't want this, but now I kind of need it. Weird Al Yankovic, there's going to be a biopic about him? Okay, I'll bite, I'll watch, and to find out that there's a movie star that's going to be playing him in the movie that I would not have considered at all makes it even more exciting. We'll be talking about that at 1.30. But let's start off with some breaking news. Oh, Maddie Sky, Maddie Sky, who's a friend of the show, just reported on my essay that Cowboy Breakfast is canceled. For the second year in a row. Now, Cowboy Breakfast, for those of you who don't know, kicks off the rodeo. We have about 40,000 people who go over there to get free food, get some free tacos, mingle, listen to some country music. Again, it kicks off the rodeo, but it has been canceled because of COVID. Carl, have you ever been to Cowboy Breakfast? I've only heard of it, and this is actually my first like 
six months since I've lived in San Antonio. I've obviously been here hundreds of times for various reasons, but uh, no, I've never been to it, and it looks like I'll have to wait another year. I'm a little bit concerned about it all, man. I mean, I get it, man. The reason for it, obviously, is because of the rising COVID numbers out there. But, uh, you know, the concerts are still going on at the AT&T Center, and the concerts are indoors, whereas Cowboy Breakfast is outdoors. So that kind of confuses me a little bit, but apparently there's going to be a... Um, there's apparently there's going to be a private setting for the first responders as well. So at least they'll have that. Uh, but again, cowboy breakfast is a no go for this year. Uh, I've gone a couple of times. I mean, you would think that I would have gone 20 or 30 times in my lifetime, but the two times I went had something in common. It is so early for cowboy breakfast that I actually stayed up all night with friends, went clubbing back in the day and stayed up to go to Cowboy Breakfast, but uh, I've never woken up for Cowboy Breakfast. I've ended a long night at Cowboy Breakfast. Define early, because that's got to be 5 a.m. early to make it worth that. It's around 5, 5 or 6 a.m. I mean, they get things going, but 40,000 people show up. They're all wearing jeans, all wearing jackets, and uh, ready to eat some free tacos. But again, it's a no-go for this year. But uh, speaking of jackets, James Pledger walked into the studio about 30 minutes ago and said, it's going to snow this weekend. Is it? Who's spreading these rumors? I don't know, man. So I'm like, what are you talking about? Because this has been one of the warmest winters we've ever had, man. One of the warmest winters we've ever had. And I'm taking a look at the temperatures coming down. Man, it's going to get chilly. The low on Thursday, 35 degrees. The low on Friday, 30. Saturday, 29. And I'm sure that in the hill country, it's going to be even colder so i don't see anything here saying precipitation except for maybe a small chance on sunday but i think he's concerned because he's still freaked out about how it snowed earlier this year in february man that was fun times i'm that's still a traumatic event for me was it traumatic dude me and my kids were out oh that's right people were without electricity i was without power for four (laughs) days (laughs) okay that's where i'm the big jerk right there because i just enjoyed it and uh, my electricity never went out. Apparently, I'm on the same grid as the fire department down the street. And because of that, we had power the entire time. It never once went out. And we were, we had families coming in and just defrosting at our house. So we at least brought people in. Uh, but man, it was uh, it was nice and warm and Netflix at my house. So now I understand why people have you know, issues with the cold and potential snow because I completely forgot because it didn't affect me too much other than the fact that uh, I got to go hang out and go sledding with the kids. Seven inches of snow at my house. It it was really cool to kind of walk around there, but with no energy, I kind of pretty much had to huddle up as much as I can. As soon as the day was over, I tried to sleep through the night. It was... It was an experience for sure. The power came on for seven seconds throughout the course of four days, and it was at like 4 a.m., and I guess everybody still had everything turned on, so what little power was generated lasts just long enough for me to hear my ceiling fan go, the lights coming on in the courtyard of my apartment complex, and I could hear a girl yell, oh my god, it's happening, it's happening, and then she screamed in pain when the power went out seven seconds later. I remember our former Rock the Mic champ, Quinn Hudson, telling me that he was trying to warm up soup and that electricity would come on for like a minute at a time. 
and that he'd run downstairs and hit 30 seconds on the soup trying to warm it up, and it never got beyond lukewarm. So, man. It's more than I got. <laughs> think about that, man. We're going to be telling you know, our kids and our grandkids that in back-to-back winters, we had COVID where we stayed home, and the stores were emptied of toilet paper and of groceries. I mean, I, mean, I remember back then, two years ago, going out to uh, grocery stores in, in Uvalde, and in uh, I live near Castroville, going out to Castroville, trying to get uh, groceries and whatnot. And then a year later, trapped because of an ice storm and electricity going out in most of the city. So weird, man. But a lot has happened over the past couple of years. But again, no cowboy breakfast. It is going to be super cold over the next four days or so. So kind of keep that in mind. Keep those jackets ready. Maybe wrap those pipes if you need to. Maybe have it drip out a little bit so that they don't freeze. But man... You turn into halftime, you get news, weather, and now some sports. We get some sports in. Do we still have a caller? Uh, no, he, he hung up. Off. He wanted to talk Cowboys. Sorry, Emilio. Emilio, hey, call back in, man. We'll talk Cowboys. We'll throw away the, uh, the, the rundown at some point because, again, I don't mind getting callers out there. Yesterday, we had a lot of callers talking about the Cowboys and how disappointed they were. But you know what? Let's start off by talking about the Spurs. And, you know, I mentioned that the Spurs kind of had a fifth. 8th, 12th, whatever you want to call it, moral victory yesterday. And I'm not being facetious about it. The fact of the matter is that the Spurs played well yesterday to the point where the Spurs had a double-digit lead in the third quarter against the Phoenix Suns, who have the number one record in the West, the number one record in the NBA. They're a hot team. But uh, the wheels came off in the fourth quarter. The Suns outscored the Spurs by a ton in the fourth quarter. You know, we're talking about a 34 to 16 outscoring of the Spurs in the fourth, all led by Devin Booker, who had 48 points. Dude shot 18 for 33 from the field. He was going for 50. He wanted 50. He needed 50. So much so that with about 2.30 to go in the game, they kept feeding him the ball, hoping that he'd make one more bucket to get to 50. The Suns players were off their seats, standing up and down and cheering, hoping that he would get to 50. Kind of weird, man. Is it really that big of a milestone to get to 50? I mean, is there really that big of a difference between 48 and 50 or 51? But apparently they really wanted it, and he missed two three-pointers, and then they just pulled him. And you can tell how disappointed he was. But again, uh, the Suns still got the win, 121-107. to The Spurs have now lost 10 out of 12. And it's one of those things where, you know, Spurs now 16-28. and We're beyond the halfway point, Carl. We're beyond the halfway point. And Spurs fans, we need to understand, this team's not making the playoffs, man. They are not making the playoffs. And Not with that attitude. Well, you know, my attitude has nothing to do with the performance on the court, man. It doesn't. Me saying I don't think people should be cheering MVP when DeJounte Murray's at the free throw line does nothing to what happens on the court, right? doesn't affect it at all. But I'm looking at this thinking to myself, you know what? I think fans are starting to warm up to the idea of, hey, maybe we should want the Spurs to have a better lottery pick. Because right now, the Spurs are tied for the sixth worst record in the NBA. The sixth worst. So who has a worse record than the Spurs? The New Orleans Pelicans, the Indiana Pacers, the Oklahoma City Thunder, Houston Rockets, Detroit Pistons, and Orlando Magic. The Pelicans are tied with the Spurs, so that's the tied for the sixth part. How many wins does Pop need? Ten? Ten wins is what Pop needs to have the all-time record 
for most regular season wins from an NBA coach. Will he get there? You know, the Spurs are on track to barely make it, to barely get to that record. And I was having a conversation with Rob Thompson before the show, and we kind of asked the question to each other, what happens if Pop misses this by one game? What if he misses it by two games? And what if he's planning on retiring this year and he misses it by one or two? Does he come back? How does that work? Part of me thinks that he doesn't really care about that record because he already has the all-time coaches' wins overall in playoffs and regular season. And I think he, I think he's way out of sight on the playoff wins, but I might be wrong about that. But he actually has the combination for most coaches' wins. Right. So, you know, it's gravy on top if he gets this, but I don't think Pop is the type of guy that would continue play, coaching just to win a coaching record like that. You know, I, I know that we say that about Pop, but these are guys that, at the end of your career, you kind of want to have that record, man. I, I, I know in their, they, they won't publicly say that, but I think they really do want to have that, man. And taking a look at the Spurs right now, there's a great website called Tankathon. And uh, Tankathon.com talks about the NBA draft, and you can have like a simulator of how the lottery would pan out. And right now, with a 16-28 and 28 record, the Spurs have a 34.4% chance of landing in the top four. 34.4%. So a little bit better than one in three. The Spurs right now have an 8.2% chance of landing the number one spot in the NBA draft. So that's kind of interesting because as the Spurs rack up some L's here, they are getting better odds, better chances of making a higher pick in the lottery. And right now, there are three players. Actually, there's two players in the lottery right now that I'm in love with. And there's like a handful that I'm kind of in love with. But man, Jabari Smith and Paolo Banchero, I would do anything for the Spurs to get those guys. Anybody in the top three, you can throw in Chet Holmgren to that conversation, would be a complimentary piece to this Spurs team. Yeah, And that's that's a fair point for Team Tank. Because the the Spurs probably do kind of need a combo forward that trends a bit more towards a, a four that can play a five in a pinch in a small ball situations. So I understand why you would want somebody like a Chet Holmgren, a Paul Benchero, and Jabari Smith. He's probably going to go number one overall the way he's been playing. But any one of those three on the Spurs next year, of course that would be nice. It's always nice to have uh, number three. Jabari and Paolo would be on the team automatically. They would not go to Austin. I'm sorry. Those None guys, of those guys would go to Austin. Those guys, but Chet, Chet is a project, man. I mean, this the, he could be the next Dirk Nowitzki. He can be the next, you know, Darko. It, it's just one of those things where I don't trust him as of right now. So it's just kind of crazy. But the Colbasa Bacon phone lines are open, and Armando is on line one. He wants to talk about DeJounte Murray. What's going on, Armando? Hey, uh, so the way the Spurs have been playing, they've been playing um, not so good, but DeJounte Murray, he's been playing really good. But, like, with the way he's been playing, I was just wondering, do you think he could be the second-best player on a championship team? Because that's kind of where he kind of fills in. He's not going to be the best player on a championship team. You know, that's a very good point, Armando. Uh, I appreciate the call. You know, DeJounte Murray, by the way, I have said this. People think that I don't like DeJounte Murray for some reason because I don't want chance of MVP for him. But I believe that he does, he's deserving of an all-star appearance. I have voted for him on Twitter by doing the retweets. I've gone on NBA.com and voted for him.
But Armando asked the question, can DeJounte Murray be the second best? Can he be the Scottie Pippen to somebody's Michael Jordan? Can he be the Dwayne Wade to somebody's LeBron? Because, again, it takes two in the NBA, sometimes three, to win. And the answer to that question, Armando, is yes. I mean, DeJounte Murray is one of the top eight point guards in the NBA. The thing about point guards, though, is that they don't lead teams to NBA titles that often. It's not the point guard that does it. How many titles does John Stockton have? How many titles does Chris Paul have? They don't have any. You know, and, and you, you take a look at certain players like Gary Payton and Russell Westbrook, and these are all great point guards. Kevin Johnson back in the day. They don't have, they don't have titles. So it's very difficult when your number one player is a point guard. But DeJounte Murray, man, he took the leap. I am pleasantly surprised. I'm shocked at how big of a leap he has done. Instead of chanting MVP, let's chant MIP, Most Improved Player. Because right now, according to Vegas odds, DeJounte Murray is actually second right now in the running. And I'll, I'll get an update on that later on in the show. But DeJounte Murray should be up there. He can win most improved player, and most definitely should be on this all-star team, but there's so many players in front of him. Uh, I was talking to Pledger about this yesterday. He says a 50-50 chance. I would put it at 25% chance. You would really need to have the, a coach say that he wants him on that team, and he'd be a coach's selection. But going back to the Spurs and the draft, as I mentioned, you know, Paolo Banchetto, Jabari Smith, those are the two big gets right now, and the Spurs, again, have a 34.4% chance of landing in the top four if the season ended today. Overall, again, 8.2%. They're one game away, by the way, of having those odds jump to 42 and 10%. So, I mean, these L's mean something if we're going to be headed towards the draft. Because what I don't want is the Spurs to be in purgatory where they're getting the 10th spot and drafting... 11 or 12 every year. It's an escalator to nowhere, dude. And that's just what they do. It's a treadmill. Just you're, you're moving, but you're not going anywhere. What about the Utah Jazz or Denver Nuggets? They didn't need a top seven pick. Yeah, but some of them got, you know, when, when, when Nikola Jokic, I mean, he fell to the second round. Who would have thought that you were going to get the franchise MVP player? At MVP at second round. Yeah, well, that's because he's fat. Yeah, well, that exactly. But He's not the traditional athlete, I should say. Exactly, exactly. And they've done well in, in picking like a, like a, a Donovan Mitchell, I, I believe, was picked at 15. Uh, Mitchell was picked at 12 or 13, I Somewhere believe, by there. the was... Nuggets, and it was take, traded to the Jazz for, jeez, uh, who played for the Spurs? I can see his face now. Trey Lyles. Trey Lyles. Okay, but it, it was in the it was in the teens. I know that, so it's possible. I mean, Devin Booker was a mid mid teen player. Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard was, 15, was a mid fifteen. Giannis was fifteen. Paul George was ten. Mm -hmm. You know, so it it is possible, but it's not likely. And I'm taking a look at a couple of teams right now that I think, man, the Spurs need to do what they do. Man, they figured it out. These are small market teams that are making it happen. And those teams, I mentioned one last week, Cleveland Cavaliers. 27 and 18. They drafted Evan Mobley and, and Darius Garland in the draft in the top five, right? They drafted Colin Sexton. They traded for Lori Markin and traded for Jared Allen. And right now, the Cavs are fourth in the East at 27 and 18, have won five in a row. And uh, I believe they recently beat the Nets. They are rocking and rolling right now. But in the West, take a look at the Memphis Grizzlies, yet another small market team. They are almost entirely built through the draft. 
John Morant, who's out of his mind right now, playing out of this world. Drafted number two in the draft. They drafted Jaron Jackson in the lottery. Dylan Brooks, Desmond Bain. Brandon Clark, they traded for after the draft. So they're building, and they've got these, these smart vets in Steven Adams and Kyle Anderson. And right now, the Memphis Grizzlies, third in the West at 31-15. and 15. You take a look at these teams, and the template's there, man. The template's there. But I think the problem is, from a, a Spurs fan perspective, is that we overvalue our players. Cowboy fans do the same thing. We overvalue our players. We fall in love with our players. We see HEB commercials. We see these guys in the community, and we know that they're nice guys and they're good people, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to lead this team to glory or relevancy. That's most franchises, though. You, you know, Dylan Brooks is the Memphis Derek White, and if you're outside of San Antonio or Memphis, Dylan Brooks and Derek White are not necessarily high-value players to the casual fan. That's a, that's a very, very, very good point. The point I'm trying to make, though, is, is that these guys have something in common. They got two lottery picks as their two best players, or Evan Mobley, Darius Garland. You could argue that they're, they're two of the best four players for Cleveland. John Morant, obviously the number one player for Memphis. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., I mean, they, they built through the draft. They built through the lottery of the draft. And the Spurs, it's kind of hard to rebound with a bunch of players that were drafted, 29, 29, 30, uh, like Keldon and, and whatnot. Now, I asked the question earlier because, you know, we have conversations here. We're sports fans, man. We have conversations here. And I had a nice one with Rob Thompson earlier today. And I asked the question, how many Spurs would crack the rotation of these two teams? And I could think of DeJounte Murray. I can uh, Devin Vassell. And probably Keldon would get minutes. McDermott would definitely get minutes on most of those teams. McDermott would get minutes, but he would be second team. He'd be he'd be off the bench. Right? Most he, most likely, he, he, he wouldn't be starting. Yeah, the, you know, he, he's kind of guy you can plug into either. He's sort of a complimentary piece to spread the floor and score, cutting to the basket and such. Right now, the Spurs have like five players that are part of a winning team. That's my personal opinion, and then I, and then I'm holding out hope that Joshua Primo becomes. The next one, and speaking of Joshua Primo, you had the pleasure of doing play-by-play last night. Caller, but yes. A caller, yeah. rather, of, of the Austin Spurs. How did they do, and how did the guys look? It was a thoroughly entertaining game. I would say that that's probably an example of why you watch G League games. 21 lead changes, 17 ties. Wow. Uh, both teams got 90-something shots up. I want to say the Spurs put up 95 shots, and Rio Grande Valley put up 93 both teams also turned it over 24 times. It was a track meet. It was a, a really fun game that came down to the wire. We thought there might even be overtime. You know, Primo given, is given a lot longer of a leash to do more things and experiment with NBA speed and uh, general kind of uh, what he'll be able to get away with. So he had seven turnovers, but it's that's part of it. They're, uh, what's the word? Um, they're... Uh, they're, mis- they're mistakes you can afford to make. Obviously, if you do that in an NBA game, Pop will have to pull you. Yeah. It's somewhere around the third turnover, and a couple of them were careless. A couple of them probably could have been called fouls. It was a very physical game. I want to say 
Rio Grande Valley got into the penalty three quarters of the four. So now Kaycock went off yesterday. Devontae right? Kaycock's been balling all year in the G League. I think he had twenty six and thirteen off the top of my head, and then he had thirty one and fifteen the other night in Oklahoma City. So now is it true yeah. that Zach Collins hadn't played in over a year, and he call and, and one of his first things he does is get a tee? Eighteen months, and yes, he he got he got mad because he defended a shot pretty well, but he still got scored on. And, I like it, and he threw the ball at the uh, the support. So yeah, he got a he got a technical foul for throwing the ball at the support out during a timeout or right when a timeout was called. Yeah, Petar Bojers needed to call a couple timeouts. He coached his butt off last night to get that win for Austin. I like it. I respect it. I'm glad that he's back out there because 18 months is a long time, and the Spurs have committed to him. Three-year contract, man. They they was it three years, twenty-seven million. Three years, twenty-two. Twenty-two. And I want to say, if I if I uh, read a report correctly from Yahoo, that this is the only year that's fully guaranteed. Okay, okay. And, and, but you know, that, 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 that's the motivation for him to to try and get that full contract. Obviously, it would be nice. We don't oh, know. Yeah. He was a lottery pick back in the day, few Tenth years overall. ago. Mm-hmm. A few years ago, he was a lottery pick, so he had lottery potential. But we haven't seen it yet, and and it's just he got he got hurt, so it's kind of hard to say. But you know, seven footers don't grow on trees, so it's nice for him to to be part of the team. And we don't know how we're going to solidify that five position. Jakob plays very well; he's been more aggressive offensively. Jock Landale, you know, Zach Collins. Suddenly, the Spurs have a trio because uh, we saw this recently. You know where the the Spurs against Cleveland just didn't have the size out there against Evan Mobley and against Colin Sexton and these guys. They, they didn't have the size, but it's nice to see that the Spurs are getting healthier again. Uh, the Spurs are going to be back in action against Oklahoma City on uh, tomorrow at seven thirty. That's a winnable game, but again, both of those teams, you know, an L kind of helps both of those teams, man, because it. it positions them for the draft. But uh, more to come on this show. Halftime goes till 2 o'clock. Kielbasa Bacon phone lines again are open at 656 ESPN. We're live on Facebook and on YouTube. When we come back, the divisional playoffs, second round of the NFL playoffs. We now know the matchups. We're going to talk to them. Pick the winners of these games. And at uh, 1245, how ashamed I am of myself for trying to get a celebrity onto this show last night. I tried. I tried. And if anybody knows this guy, you know, New York Times bestseller, Shea Serrano, you know that author? I'm aware of his existence, and I believe I have his book, Basketball and Other Things. I have that same book. And if listeners out there, because he lives in San Antonio, if you know him, please tell him to be on this show tomorrow. This is Halftime on the San Antonio Sports Star ESPN AM 1250, 94.5 FM, and on the go at com. Upload a photo of what's on your grill and enter description and recipe at essaysportstar.com and you could win a $50 gift card to Tri-County Meat Market winner chosen every Thursday at 6 on the Blitz. Welcome back to Halftime on the San Antonio Sports Star ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM. We're on the go at essaysportstar.com, live on Facebook and YouTube. Search Star, like and subscribe, leave a comment or two, maybe three. Carl Schoenig is with me today producing the show. 
You just told me about 20 seconds ago. You're like, dude, you did not go on Locked On Spurs. No, I knew you would go on Locked On Spurs. You went on Locked On Spurs, to, uh, as I can see from the tweet that Jeff put out to talk about Murray's MVP chance. Come on, let people enjoy things. Dude, I You have to shame the city uh, of San Antonio with every mic you can find. You know, 25% of the people who respond to that poll said it was either embarrassing or in, in poor taste, man. And it's just one of those things where I'm not alone. I might I might be part of the minority when it comes to this, but I'm not alone at all. But uh, welcome back to the show. He's talking about Locked On Spurs. It's a podcast you can find on Spotify or anywhere you find podcasts. On Twitter, Jeff Garcia from Locked On Spurs and Ken's Five is the host of that. And he had to bring me on because it was, um, man, I was getting used and abused online. People were outraged at me. But uh, Jonathan C. on YouTube says, it's cringe. That's what I thought. That's what James Pledger thought. He was at the game where this was going on. And he goes, oh, I cringed. Then again, he's not a Spurs fan. But welcome back to halftime. We go till 2 o'clock. It's sports, pop culture, and nostalgia. You know, before I was watching the Spurs game, because I don't know about you, Carl, but we have to watch lots of games to talk about them, right? Part of what we do, this is the fun part of my job. Fun part of my job is talking about this for two hours on the radio and interacting with people online. But in watching the games, you know, I have to DVR one and watch the other one live or maybe DVR two or three games and kind of watch them as the night progresses. And last night I was watching the L.A. Rams against the Arizona Cardinals. And I'm glad that game got out of hand early because I could then switch over and begin watching the Spurs game on my DVR and kind of go from there. But man... What an embarrassing game that was. The Arizona Cardinals, midway through the second quarter, had negative one yards midway through the second quarter while the Rams had 21 points. And at that point, I realized this game is going to get out of hand, and it did get out of hand because at that point, Cardinals get the ball back again, and Kyler Murray threw a pick six that was ridiculously awful. It looked like he was trying to throw a grenade. He was... Trying to get out of, he was trying to he was trying to avoid a safety. He mm. was trapped in the in the middle of the end zone. He launched an underhand throw to the middle of nowhere that was just picked off, and the Rams defender just walked in from four yards in for the touchdown. That game was over. Kyler Murray, nineteen for thirty four, hundred and thirty seven yards, two interceptions. Terrible game. But what was interesting was the Rams defense. Aaron Donald was dominant dominant defensive performance that we hadn't seen, you know, for much of the year because we look at this at this roster that the Rams have and we think to ourselves, man, this has got to be a really, really good team, a really, really good defense. But for some reason, we haven't really seen that this year. Uh, but they played very, very well when it counted. But what I found interesting was Matthew Stafford only threw 17 attempts yesterday. The Rams won yesterday by running and running and running 38 rush attempts to 17 pass attempts. Now, you would typically think, okay, well, it's because they had a big lead and they were just running out the clock, but that really wasn't the case. They were doing this early on. You know, Sony Michelle did very well, and it was interesting to see how the Rams at one point were up by 28 points, and Cooper Cup had only had five yards receiving at that point. And by the time halftime came around, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to watch another play of this game. So again, Rams go off to win 34-11, to that was the last of the wild card games. So now we know the matchups for the divisional game. So Saturday we have two games. The Bengals at 
the Titans. The Bengals coming off a very, very impressive win against the Oakland, the Oakland, I say Oakland, the Las Vegas Raiders. Right now, Tennessee is favored by three and a half points. And I'm going to tell you this, Carl. The Bengals are going to win this game. And it's not even going to be close. I am a big believer in the Bengals. I have bought stock in them. And I might have been wrong by the smoke and mirrors that were the Cowboys, but I take a look at the Bengals, and they've got the quarterback, man. Joe Burrow is a complete stud. And at the end of the game, when they beat the Raiders, and he's like, dude, we're just going on to the next game. No big deal. He's not the type of young player who's going to jump up and down and be all excited that they want a playoff game. This was the first playoff game in like three decades in Cincinnati, and he walks off like no big deal. That photo that he has when he played at LSU after winning the national title, leading the Tigers to the national title, where he's you know, in the locker room sitting down on a chair with a cigar out looking like Rudy J. Dude, what a stud, man. That right there, he's just there going, yeah, man, this, this is what I do. All I do is win games. And Joe Burrow, and then, well, speaking of Burrow and, and people named Joe, Joe Mixon, the running back for the Bengals, is having a, a career year. He had almost 300 rushing attempts. He missed a couple of games. 300 rushing attempts this year. And, I mean, the guy is just plowing through defensive lines. And you've got Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. They've got, you know what? I had an, a, a disagreement with... Um, with uh, Rob Thompson earlier today, because I asked the question, what's the better wide receiver trio? Is it Gallup, Cooper, and CD? Or is it Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, and T. Higgins? I think on paper it's the Cowboys, but in reality it's the Bengals. In reality, it is. I mean, I I think if you were to say, hey, we're playing Madden, who do you want of those three? You get a choice. Most people on Madden would say Cowboys receivers, but I'm a a fantasy to him. I wanted the Eagles to draft him, and then I was a little bummed when the Cowboys drafted him, yet you know, I still draft him on my fantasy teams because I enjoy watching him play football and what I thought he could be. He just hasn't become yet. And then Amari Cooper... He's a little overrated. Uh, I I think that there there are people who think that he's a number one quarter uh, wide receiver. I think he's sort of a number one A. You need mm-hmm. another number one to really make him a number one, or really in reality he's a B. And you know, giving up a first round pick was worth it for him because I think he's worth a first round pick. But I don't think you can say that he is a number one receiver, and your second best receiver can be a little less because of that. Now, don't get me wrong. The Cowboy receivers are very talented. Amari Cooper, when when healthy, is a top 10 receiver. CeeDee Lamb has incredible hands, and the footwork and the ability to to retrieve certain balls, Michael Gallup is better than anybody at that. Uh, But when it comes to outright just getting open, man, Jamar Chase is better than all six of those receivers combined, or all five of those receivers combined. And Jamar Chase, also from LSU, they have that rapport. it's, It's very apparent that they have that rapport. Other games going on, uh, the Niners, Jimmy G, shoulder injury, but apparently he's going to be okay. But you don't want to have a shoulder injury going into a game in Lambeau against the Packers. Packers favored by six. Going to be honest, man. Um, I think the Packers are going to blow them out. I think they're going to blow them out. And, and I understand that the Niners are hot, and but the Niners have a lot of injuries to the defense. Bosa got hurt. You know, you've got uh, a potential Trey Sermon as a starter if if Jimmy G can't go. How is this spread only six? Jump on it, baby. Jump on it. 
The Sunday games, the early game, the Rams at the Bucks. You know, um, I'm not a big believer in Matthew Stafford. Just not. So they won last night, but that was all defense and running, man. All he he was not winning that game for the Rams. That was all about him managing that game. And I tell you what, if they do a managed game, I think the Rams have a chance. But if Matthew Stafford is being called on to win that game, they will not win that game. They will lose that game. But what beats Brady? What beats Brady? Luck. L- luck? A little luck goes a long way against Brady. And but, there's but, a few few examples in the Super Bowl. Well, yes, that, that that is true. But the weird thing is that if you take a look at any loss that Tom Brady has ever had, regular season or postseason, they all have something in common. Happy feet. If you can get within a foot of him and have him move his feet around and all of a sudden he's not able to set himself, he is not comfortable. And it's not like he's going to run. It's not like he's going to run out of the pocket. He gets happy feet. He wants to get rid of the ball. And we saw that with the Saints. The Saints beat them twice in the regular season last year and beat the Bucks twice in the regular season this year, lost in the playoffs last year to them. But the fact of the matter is that the Saints have the ability to get to Tom Brady's toes and it makes him jumpy and he starts he starts uh, not following through on passes and that's when he loses in the Super Bowls in the past it was the Giants defense it was, it was the stray hands of the world going after him happy feet so I take a look at the at the Rams and I go well you have Aaron Donald you know you've got a defensive line that can really get at it. If they, if the defensive line of the Rams is on point, the Rams can win. That's going to be the, the, I mean, the trenches, that's going to be it. Who's going to win the trenches. And that's going to determine it. Uh, the, uh, the, the evening game though, my God, the Buffalo bills at the Kansas city chiefs, Buffalo bills, man, they were unstoppable in the wild card game against the Patriots. Unstoppable. Against Patrick Mahomes, who's won the AFC, the Chiefs have won AFC back-to-back uh, years. I'm I'm leaning towards the Bills right now, and the Chiefs are favored by two, which means Vegas gives you basically three points if you're the home team. So if the Chiefs are favored by two, that means that Vegas believes that the better squad is actually the Buffalo Bills. And it's hard to argue, especially after they put up an NFL record of what seven score seven possessions and seven touchdowns yeah and that was the first game where no drive started uh or no drive ended in a field goal punt or turnover right and and if you know in nfl postseason history that that's sort of hard to argue that they're probably peaking at the right time which is week one of the playoffs they had the man and cheat codes out in full force this weekend. By the way, the Bucks are favored by three against the Rams again at home. So that means Vegas thinks that that's a, an even matchup as well. We'll not be surprised if there are up to three upsets this weekend, but man, a great weekend to come. Hey, when we come back, help me out, man. I'm trying to get a celebrity on to halftime tomorrow. Shea Serrano, New York times bestseller. Anyone know him? Anyone know him? Because I'm doing a movie review tomorrow of blood in blood out. We're going to talk about this and, what other movies should I review? And at 1 o'clock, we're talking about the Cowboys. We're talking about Dak. At 1.30, Weird Al Yankovic, a biopic about him coming out, and a movie star who's going to play that role. This is Halftime on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM. 
This is Joe Reinagle. Drive home with Jason Minix and me today at 4, ESPN 1250 and 94.5 FM. Welcome back to Halftime on the San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM. On the go at com. Carl Schoenig is with me today. I'm not going to be able to live this down, am I? I am getting a text message from Jeff Garcia from Locked On Spurs, and he goes, hey, check out the tweet from Ken's Five. And I'm like, what's Ken's Five saying? And he says that, uh, I'm trying to get the, the actual quote, but the quote basically says that I'm on Locked On Spurs talking about the whole the whole uh, MVP chanting for DeJounte Murray, discussing, quote-unquote, the firestorm that I created. Now, okay, so 1,700 people almost took part in the poll that I had out there, partially because Jeff Garcia retweeted it, mostly because he retweeted it, right? Did I create a firestorm? I mean, wh- how do you judge the levels of firestorm? Are they like hurricanes, you know, category one, two, three, four, and five? What category level hurricane firestorm did I have with my DeJounte Murray take there? Didn't seem all that bad. Uh, it's... Just let people enjoy things, Mike. You know, <laughs> if, if the Spurs lose and fans are still fans of the team, they're true fans. If the Spurs win games and they're fans, they're true fans. We'll, we'll just let them enjoy it, you know? Although there are some people, I question, they're just so pessimistic that it's like you just want them to lose so because you're other, you don't like Spurs people. Oh, my goodness. I'm a like huge Spurs fan, but Ken's five, Ken's five tweeted out on this episode of Locked on Spurs, host Jeff Garcia welcomes San Antonio sports stars Michael Jimenez discussed the firestorm he created when he opined that fans should not chant MVP for DeJounte Murray. So just when I thought I had survived all this, I'm going to get on Twitter later on tonight and find out that I'm still hated by some. He's the best player on the team. He's a great player. Deserves to be in the All-Star team. And I think you're allowed to vote MVP for the best player on your team. Uh, or chant MVP, excuse no, me. No, act like you've been there. But welcome back to Halftime, San Antonio Sports Star. Man, last night on Twitter, I was begging and pleading, kind of in a way, and I just did it again on Twitter during the break. Shay Serrano is probably my favorite author. I would say that. I've met him twice. I've gone to two of his book signings. I went to one in San Antonio, one to one in Dallas. And he he writes about, and he's a former middle school teacher, I believe, who started writing about hip-hop and rap, and uh, he became part of Grantland and The Ringer and all that stuff. And he was doing a lot of pop culture and a lot of the things that I like talking about, sports, pop culture, nostalgia. I mean, he does a lot of it, and he writes best-selling books about it. Some about basketball, some about hip-hop. And I noticed that he loves talking about the movie Blood In, Blood Out. So much so that Miklo, one of the characters on that movie, is his avatar. It's his profile pic on Twitter. And you said, you said I didn't know that that's what that was, right? I, I knew it wasn't him, but I, I didn't realize that was it. Yeah. So last night I was on Twitter and I basically said that I wanted him on my show. And he retweeted it. What? He retweeted it. By saying that, because not only did I ask, I proved that I'm a fan by presenting a photo that I took with him. Uh, And he goes, he tweeted it out and he said, uh, it looks like you're my father in this photo because he's sitting down and I'm like hovering over him, right? (laughs) Just the way that it looks. So he retweeted. So obviously he has read my plea. 
he knows that I want him on this show. And he knows that it's about blood and blood out, which is apparently one of his favorite movies. And I'm giving that, that review tomorrow because again, I review movies that I've never seen before, despite the fact that I'm 44 years old. There are so many movies from the seventies, eighties and nineties that I've never seen. And I finally saw blood in blood out just a day and a half ago. I want him on this show. Shay Serrano lives in San Antonio. Someone knows him. Someone who's driving around right now is listening to this show and, and, and can call him, can tweet him. Let's tweet at him. Say, hey, Shay, at Shay Serrano. Be on halftime tomorrow, 1.30 p.m., be there. And if you can't make it live, we'll tape it. We'll do it in the morning. Be on the show to talk about blood in, blood out. Do a fan a favor because, again, I have his books I've gone to two book signings. And if I go to book signings, that doesn't mean that I go home without a book. It means I've bought the book. Shay, I'm a fan and I'm, I have never begged and pleaded for a guest before, but uh, Shay Serrano, you are worth it, my man. Blood in, blood out tomorrow, 1.30, halftime. Call in, baby. Be there. But brings up the question, what other movies should I do? So we had somebody who called in. Who called Good in? Good old Ken. Ken, uh, is a big listener. He's listened for every calls in, and you know, if I have time, I can chat with him. I, I unfortunately couldn't chat with him because you know I'm doing the show. But uh, he uh, recommended the Paper Chase. Have you heard of it? Uh, you know what? That's the second time someone has recommended the Paper Chase, and uh, I'm looking it up right now. It's a 1973 movie, so it's a little bit before my time. But the fact of the matter is that Rotten Tomatoes gives it a score in the 80s. So obviously, it's a pretty decent movie. Uh, I'll put that in my poll for Twitter, because we let Twitter decide these things. This uh, is the this is the description on IMDb. A first-year law student at Harvard Law struggles with balancing his coursework and a woman unaware that she has a connection that affects their relationship. It's always about the women, man. They, they weaken the legs, Rock. But uh, other movies that I'm considering, Urban Cowboy? Never heard of it. Uh, well... I'm bad enough because I've never seen it. I probably should have seen it. I think that's with Deborah Winger. Is that if that's no? I might be mistaken. I think never heard of her. Uh, Deborah Winger uh, was kind of like when I first started liking girls growing up. Was one of the celebrities that I was like, "Who is she? She's pretty." Um, Grease is another movie people have recommended to me. Never seen. Also never seen it. Yeah. And Officer and a Gentleman is another one that people have recommended. I believe that's Richard Gere. Never heard of that one either. Now, that one I have heard of, and I and I see the memes, and I've probably seen clips, but I've never seen the movie. And I'm going to go ahead and assume that I would probably like that movie, even though I'm not the biggest Richard Gere fan. Um, but, I mean, he was in the movie Unfaithful. That movie, ugh. I love the movie. It's a great movie, but that's a movie that just gives me just anxiety. It's it's such a good movie, but I'm not a biggest uh, Richard Gere fan. But again, he was in Pretty Woman back in the day, so maybe I'll check that out. But uh, again, tomorrow tomorrow one thirty we'll be doing Blood In Blood Out. I've been threatened with phone calls here and tweets saying that I should give it an A plus, but I will not pander. I will be legit in my review. Three hours, man. I don't know if a three hour movie can get an A plus for me. There's a point where I say get to the point. Blood In Blood Out. You talking about? Any three-hour well, movie. Well, that was three, yes. three hours, nine minutes. The first cut of that movie was five hours long. Very, very interesting. Now, now, if it were 2022, they'd turn that into a five-episode, uh, at one-hour-long series. On Netflix, That's exactly. That's they should do. That's what we're watching. Cobra Kai is a six-hour movie. Mm -hmm. That's basically what it is. But uh, we have another hour of halftime to go. 
on the San Antonio Sports Star. Again, if you know Shea Serrano, reach out to him, tweet at him. Please tell him, be on halftime tomorrow, 1.30, book it, baby. Another hour to go. We're talking Cowboys when we come back, and Weird Al Yankovic at 1.30, a biopic about that man. This is Halftime on the San Antonio Sports Star. Michael Jimenez. Halftime. It's hour number two of Halftime on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM, soon to be 103.3 FM, beginning February 1st. We're on the go at SASportsStar.com. My name's Michael Jimenez. Carl Schoenig is producing this show. Man, I have, I'm not the kind of guy to beg, man, but I wasn't too proud this time. Trying to get Shea Serrano on this show. That'd be a fun interview. I don't think he does many interviews. Uh, I follow him on Twitter, and I feel like if he did an interview, he would promote it, and I haven't yeah. seen him really promote any interviews that he's ever done. That's a guy I really respect, man. He hustled, man. He hustled in a good way to, to in his career. Uh, I love look, uh, watching the, the, the posts that he has about his wife and his kids and, and the success that they've had, and uh, he's very, very humble, gives back to the community, and he gives back to listeners, I mean, to... to Twitter followers, if they're if they're down or lost jobs and whatnot, he seems like a really really nice guy. So I wasn't too proud for that one. Okay, wasn't too proud to beg for that one. But I'll drop it. I'll drop it. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But uh, you got twenty four hours. We have twenty four hours to kind of figure this out. Hey, someone reached out to me on Twitter and says, "Hey, Mike, uh, ever thought about doing a Twitter space while you do halftime so that people can listen here on Twitter?" You're a tech guy. What is a Twitter space? So spaces, I, I don't know if you can do it from our stream yard. In fact, our stream yard is even having trouble just sending it out to Twitter. So I'll see what's going on because we used to do it through Periscope. Right. And at the moment, Periscope is no longer Twitter's live streaming platform. Spaces is almost like uh, a live podcast. It can be absolute just i don't know how to explain it madness mayhem because as a host you can decide who's muted and who gets to speak and such but sometimes you go into spaces and it's like a hundred mics that are unmuted people just having conversations it sounds miserable to listen to but it's really in a lot of people are really into it you know how some people can do like uh, facebook lives and stuff like that is there like a twitter live so so they just changed their API of whatever they use for live streaming, and I have not really looked into it. So I, that is a next thing I will do for this gets our, me, our live stream. This gets I me excited. I haven't looked into it recently. This gets me excited because uh, you're the tech guy, and I don't know much of anything when it comes to tech. I don't know much about anything other than sports, man, to be honest with you. And people will debate whether or not I know a lot about sports. But uh, on r and in the Morning... Uh, Rob and, and Rudy were talking about uh, power tools and stuff like that. And Rob was asking Rudy, so do you have like a sander? Do you have a, do you have this kind of saw? Do you have this kind of saw? And Rudy was there going, no, man, I don't, I don't, I don't. To every single thing that he said. And I felt relieved because I'm not the only one. You pay other people to potentially save your thumb from being cut off. Exactly. The idea of me, you know, doing something electrical that could kill me. That would kill me. Now, I love doing yard work. And, you know, we've worked on fences before and stuff like that, sodding yards. Uh, I love, I never thought I'd live to be the age where I'm in love with my yard as far as, like, edging it 
and in trimming the bushes and stuff like that. I love it. it it's therapeutic for me. But uh, man, uh, Rudy J, baby, you're, you're you're my guy, man, and you'll be here tomorrow on halftime. Uh, I'm with you, man. I don't know anything about anything when it comes to that or when it comes to cars, and uh, I kind of I pay people to do that, but I make sure to read up enough so that I know that I'm not getting duped when it comes to things. But fortunately, we have a lot of sponsors that do what we do or do what we need, and I go to them. So, And I've gone to them several times this year for my rental property and for my uh, my house as well. But uh, welcome back to Halftime on the San Antonio Sports Star. Again, we are on ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5. You know, um, I'm kind of embarrassed by this, Carl. Do you lose things? Uh, I, I misplace things momentarily. Like, lose things, like, never to be found again lose? Yeah. I mean... I misplaced my remote control all the time. Like the setting of my bed, because it's inclined a little bit right now, I better be happy with it because I can't find the remote control ever again. I don't know where it's at. And last night I went to the gym and I'm walking back to my car and I hope my wife is not listening right now. I'm walking back to my car and I'm like, what's that on the ground? And I see something shimmering. And I look down, and it's the chip to a credit card. And I pick it up, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take this in to see if anybody lost their credit card. And I looked at the name. It was mine. Mm-hmm. It was my credit card. I found my own credit card. Apparently, I dropped it because the last time I was at the gym was Thursday. So it was on the floor for about 72 hours. That's crazy. That is I've, that is crazy. The parking lot of like a, a gym. Yeah. Oh wow. So I found my own credit card. Surprised the bird night. didn't fly off and make it part <laughs> of its nest. Exactly, but uh, you know, so I'm I'm a little bit happy that I found it. Obviously, no no one spent any money on it. But man, I lose things like crazy. Did you not know that you had lost your credit card? I knew that I couldn't. I didn't have it in my wallet. I assumed that it was in my jeans. I assumed that I had just put it down. Or it was inside my glove compartment, or, or or not the glove compartment, the armrest. I thought it was somewhere like that, and I would just go find it. I did look for it one day, but I looked at it for like five minutes, and I said, you know what? It's it'll just turn up, and it did turn up. It just turned up in the parking lot of a gym. So, but I'm glad that I have it. So, haven't used it yet, so I don't know if it still works, but uh, it's back. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I would probably have fro- frozen it and maybe even canceled it to get another one. That's a that's a dangerous thing not to know where it is. But I, I guess you know there's some way of uh, preventing people. It's it's credit card, so you can dispute anything on it, right? Yeah, and it's not the one with the biggest limit either. It's uh, it's the small card I have that I typically use for travel and stuff like that. Doesn't but, mean somebody can't treat themselves to a new set of headphones. Dude, or... I had that man. I had that where somebody stole my credit card number or my information, and they bought stuff in Vegas. They, they, were, they were buying gas, and they were buying electronics and stuff like that. So that happened to me a couple of years ago. Dude, there's nothing secure anymore, man. It's just one of those things. You know, there's so many breaches out there. It's just bound to happen. It's going to happen to you. It used to be that people would break into houses, and I suppose that still does happen. But really, the ones that are breaking in these days are breaking in hacking. They're getting into your numbers, and they're doing it that way. They're skimming at gas stations and stuff like that. That's Make your passwords very strong, people. 
Yes, and one, two, three, four is not a very good pin number as well. But, yeah, I uh, think it, I, I got on my girlfriend. She works in IT, and our guest Wi-Fi network password is something ridiculous, like capital F, uh, accent mark, <laughs> T, lowercase T, F, you know, J, something not realistic, and it's like twenty characters. And by the time you're done typing it out and if you get a wrong password you're like you know what forget it i don't want wi-fi <laughs> so yeah. if we ever have anybody that comes over to our place they will not really have easy access to the wi-fi and beyond that passwords are just ridiculous right now i mean without my phone i mean i put all my passwords to everything on my phone because where else am i going to keep them i mean you got to keep them store them somewhere you have you know write them down well you'll lose that then all of a sudden you've lost your passwords you, right you got to have an online vault right now carl if i was to ask you this question how many people, like friends and family, that you know their actual phone number, where if you were at a pay phone in the middle of nowhere and had a call for help, how many phone numbers do you know? What in the world is a pay phone? <laughs> no, no, no. It's uh, a song by Maroon 5. Right, yeah, right. Uh, you know, I'm pretty sure I know my mom's. I'm pretty sure I know my dad's and my brother's and my girlfriend's. Cell phone numbers? Yes, and that's about it. I can't say that I know anybody else's number by heart. The sad thing is, by heart, I only know home numbers. I know my parents' home number uh, because it's been that number like since I was a kid. Yeah, like landline. Your, your parents still have landline? They still have a landline, yeah. I'm anybody like, call it? Uh, I do from time you to do? time. <laughs> yeah. And solicitors? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that's basically it. That's I mean, why have a landline? But uh, I, 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 call, I know my parents, and I know my sister Cindy's landline. And I know my sister Alice's landline, and that is it. I know my wife's cell phone number. My daughter that's in college at LSU, if you ask me right now, what's her cell phone number? I don't know it. I, I, I know three digits. I know it starts 413. I've narrowed it down to 9,999 numbers. And I'm probably even wrong about that 413 to think about it. But, uh, man, God, times are changing, but I, I hate passcodes. hate changing them. I hate having to make it harder and harder. It's so hard that you forget it, and it's frustrating. And, and that's probably the most annoying thing. Something like, and I, I probably have to be honest, I don't think I know my bank account's uh, password off the top of my head. Other ones I don't really know, memorize. I just generate them randomly and have it saved in my vault. Yeah. And, and then... If I were ever, for whatever reason, locked out of my vault, I'm, you know, not, I'm screwed out of everything at that mm. point. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome back to halftime. Uh, you know, it's kind of hard to segue from screwed out of everything, but I guess Cowboy fans are screwed out of the playoffs right now because yeah. their team is not in there. The Cowboys lost 23-17 to the 49ers. For some people, they haven't gotten over it yet, but I think more people have gotten over it than I thought there would be. In years past, there would be anger. And right now, I just think that there's depression amongst Cowboy fans. And I want to revisit something because we've had these debates the past, you know, 36 hours since the loss as to who's at fault. And, I mean, some people went through the tried and true excuse of it was the refs. It's the refs' fault. They were the ones who called the penalties. They weren't the ones who committed the penalties. Yeah, and they're there going, well, you know, that uh, that back official... You know, if he had gone, if he was running faster and, and he known the urgency and, you know, you're asking a 60-year-old man to run 30 yards and place a ball in five seconds, like, like they're a professional athlete. They're old men who are referees. 
it's just that's just the way that it is. It was a bad call at the end. It was a terrible call. Cannot believe Mike McCarthy defended that call. I cannot believe that Dak Prescott has not come out and say what the hell was that? They were making yardage. Get they were getting eight, nine, ten, twelve yards going to the sidelines. They could have done two sideline plays and then one heave into the end zone if needed, but instead they ran it up and the clock ran out and the season was over. But more and more, I'm asking the question, does Dak Prescott ever get any blame? I mean, how accountable is he? And the Cowboys obviously re-signed him last year. He's now making $40 million a year. He's getting paid the big bucks, and he didn't come through again. Michael Irvin said it best on ESPN's first take yesterday morning that the stars need to come out. Not the stars on the helmet, but the star players, that it's Zeke, that it's Pollard, that it's Amari, that it's CD, and most especially Dak Prescott need to ball out in order to win playoff games. The Stars win. Josh Allen had a huge game for the Bills. It was Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon for the Bengals. It was Patrick Mahomes, right? The Stars win in the playoffs. Star players have star performances. And the thing is, is that Dak Prescott doesn't do that. And I've gone back and forth on Dak Prescott because the, the tired argument, the tired question has to be brought up again about his eliteness. Where is he on there? Is he a top five or a top 10 quarterback or is he worse than that? And it's kind of crazy. And, and if you have a, a, an opinion on this, please reach out to us. Kilbasa Bacon phone lines open at 656-ESPN. Again, 656-ESPN. We're also live on Facebook and YouTube where you can leave a comment. You can also reach out to me at Twitter at MikeESPNSA. Carl is at CarlESPN, Carl with a K. You know, it's one of those things where I take a look at Dak Prescott and I wonder if people think he is a top five quarterback or a top eight quarterback simply because of publicity. Is it something that we overvalue our own players? Cowboy fans, who would you rather have right now? Would you rather have Joe Burrow or would you rather have Dak Prescott? It used to be like, no, 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 no. Dak may not be tier one, but he's easily tier two when it comes to quarterbacks because, you know, maybe he's not Aaron Rodgers and maybe he's not Tom Brady, but he's just below them. And and and, and when the season started, it was like, no, you would you would put him at, Four or five, three, four or five. And now I'm looking at it going, hey, Joe Burrow, Cincinnati Bengals. Who would you rather have, Cowboy fan? Dak or Joe Burrow? Would you rather have Justin Herbert? Would you rather have, you know, all these other quarterbacks that are young and up and coming? Or is has Dak regressed? Is Dak regressing as a quarterback? And if he is regressing as a quarterback, what should the Cowboys do? Because he's locked in, man. There's a lot of guaranteed money that he has coming his way. And I, I look at it and I'm thinking to myself, it's very, very possible that the Cowboys window of opportunity is starting to close. They have negative salary cap or free agency money to spend right now. And they've got Gallup who got injured is uh, not uh, is 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 a free agent. They have free agents that they need to see if they can keep. One thing the Cowboys have been doing good recently is that they've been drafting pretty well. Got Micah Parsons in the first round last year, which was an amazing pick. 
But man, again, the kielbasa bacon phone lines are open, and Jimmy wants to talk about the Cowboys. What's going on, Jimmy? What's up, man? So, first of all, thank you for taking my call, guys. But Dak Prescott, I don't even think he's a top 10 quarterback. To be realistic, I think he's a top 15 quarterback. Um, I think that Dak Prescott kind of has a deer in headlights moments during big games and big moments um, where he doesn't have the ability to motivate his team. Like a Patrick Mahomes that during, you know, one playoff game, Tyreek Hill was distraught. I forget exactly which game it was, but it was last year, the year before. And he's like, hey, you know, I need you for this game. I need you to snap out of this. We're going to go win this game. And then they went and won the game. Dak Prescott doesn't have that and has never had that. That's why he was a fourth-round pick and not a first-round draft pick. There's a very big difference between, you know, the level of, of leadership with, between him and, you know, a Dak and a, uh, a Patrick Mahomes or an Aaron Rodgers or any of those top quarterbacks. But it's also not entirely his fault, and we can't entirely blame him. You know, the entire offense was – I mean, Amari Cooper was, in, was invisible that entire game, more or less. I mean – yeah, that's a very good point, Jimmy. Thank you for the call. You know, Jimmy out here saying that uh, Dak was a fourth rounder and therefore we shouldn't be surprised about this and that Amari Cooper was not out there getting open. And I mean, I'm looking at the divisional playoffs right now. Cowboy fan would rather have Joe Burrow. I think the Cowboy fans would rather have Bur- uh, Dak over Ryan Tannehill, right? And probably over Jimmy G. Well, who would you rather have, Aaron Rodgers or Dak? I would say Aaron Rodgers. Would you rather have Matthew Stafford or Dak? Are they equal? Are they about the same? I mean, neither one of them has proven much of anything in the playoffs. People think that Stafford is, is one of the most talented quarterbacks out there. I have no faith in Stafford simply because he has that stain, that stink of being with the Detroit Lions for so long. Tom Brady, obviously Brady, is the GOAT. Right, So that's three quarterbacks right there. Buffalo Bills with Josh Allen. I mean, Josh Allen, talk about stars showing up in the playoffs. He had a huge game. Huge game. And then Patrick Mahomes. That's five quarterbacks in the playoffs right now that I think Cowboy fans would rather have than Dak Prescott. It ain't about who you rather have. It's about who you got. And I think, yeah, if... Maybe the whole Aaron Rodgers saga starts over again, and there's some kind of way to say, uh, can bygones be bygones? And Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers say, let's go full circle and win another Super Bowl with the Cowboys? Yeah, of course you take that kind of upgrade. But are you really willing to move on from Dak by no, drafting you, a first uh, quarterback in the first round? You can't move on from Dak because he's an above-average quarterback. Exactly. Yeah, he's almost like Baker Mayfield. No, he's above Baker Mayfield. I, no, I'd say he's above Baker, Baker Mayfield, too, but it's almost like, are they going to move on from Baker Mayfield to try and pull the slot on uh, on the lottery slots of the quarterback, maybe, something around there? I think two things have happened. I think that some players have gotten better than Dak, and I think Dak has regressed. and He's gone from being probably considered the fourth or best quarterback in the league to now the eighth or ninth best quarterback in the league, maybe seven. Somewhere between he's seven somewhere and nine. Somewhere seven and ten, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. I mean, you can make an argument that he's seven. You can make the argument that he's ten. But what you can't do is make an argument that he's in the top five. That argument is over. Case closed. Not going to happen. That is not Dak. Now, how much of this is coaching? How much of this is injury? Now, you can say, hey, he came back from an injury, and therefore, he may not have been 100%. 
He it, did have his worst year in terms of yards per game rushing. He did. He did. But you, he showed wheels in the game, though, when he scored that one touchdown. He, it Obviously, he was able to run. They just weren't running him. Maybe part of this is coaching. Maybe he's not getting the best out of himself because he's not being coached properly. I mean, we had Quinn Hudson on our show yesterday from the Sunday Sports Grill and also one of our former Rock the Mic champs saying, man, I'd give two first-round draft picks for this for the Cowboys to go out and get Sean Payton from the from the uh, Saints. There's a lot going on here. So if Dak Prescott's not going to be one of the five best quarterbacks, then the Cowboys need to do something and be dominant at something. And that's the thing about Super Bowl champions. They dominate something. Doesn't have to be the offense. Maybe it's the defense. Usually if you have a top 15 quarterback and a top five defense, you're a Super Bowl contender. I And you know what? That's the funny thing is that I think the Cowboys in this upcoming draft should still focus on the defense. I think offensively they have the pieces to be dangerous. But be good at something. Be great at something. And that is the that is what he needs to do. And I, and I hate the fact, just one last thing about Dak. I hate the fact that, he, that the last thing that we heard from him after this game was, hey, good on Cowboy fans for throwing bottles at the referees. Wow. What a jerk. Yeah, that what, probably was one that he wishes he had back. I hope the NFL punishes him bad for that. I, I, I'm surprised that we haven't heard that publicly made a fine, because usually you would think that the... Re- Granted, the NFL probably also has to come out and say that mistakes were made by that officiating crew, because... No, there weren't, man. Yeah. There was, I mean, there's going to be bad calls but here that and there. That umpire it's, was it, at midfield by the time... Uh, Dak got down on that so what? quarterback scramble. Why put yourself in that position? That's the thing. The Cowboys should not have put themselves in that position. It's not going to be perfect, man. I mean, there's. I mean, the, the idea that you want to have a 60-year-old man sprint 25 or 30 yards because he's going to anticipate exactly what you were going to do. Did they tell the official, hey, we're going to be running a, a QB draw up here? No, he, he's just following the play. That's a very unusual play to call. If he, if the referee, if that, if that ref right there had to bet on what the next play call was going to be, he would not be betting quarterback draw. So let's let's he change, cannot anticipate let's change that. the scenario and say that well, you know it was what? a slant across the middle and they still get the same amount of yards and he's still 50 yards behind the or quarter of the field behind the play. That's on the official. As much as I'm an Eagles fan and I was delighted with how the game ended, it really is on the refs the the ref, I should say, the umpire for being so far behind the play because if he were half a second further, they would have gotten one more playoff. We could debate this even more on the other side. Kilbasa Bacon phone lines are open at 656-ESPN. We're also live on Facebook and YouTube. When we come back, let's talk some pop culture as well. Weird Al Yankovic biopic. You won't believe who's going to be starring in that movie. This is Halftime on the San Antonio Sports Star. They see me mowing my Yeah, baby. I hadn't heard this one in a while. That's a Weird Al Yankovic, baby. White and nerdy. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, one of, if I'm not mistaken, that'll be a song. Not not white and nerdy. 
but Riding Dirty by Chameleon Air out of Houston, yeah. that actually has an unbreakable record. You know, we talk about unbreakable records because times just change, such as Pop. If he gets the all-time coaching wins, yeah. no one's going to coach 25 years anymore. So in this particular case, Riding Dirty by Chameleon Air is the all-time ringtone download. Really? Yes, it's the all-time ringtone download because <sighs> it was so popular in 2005 when everybody was downloading ringtones. He is the Cy Young. Chameleon Air is the Cy Young of ringtones. That's amazing. That's fantastic. Man, the things that you learn here on Halftime on the San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM, I cannot tell you how much I love that tidbit. That You're is right. Like, that's great. Uh, Weird Al Yankovic, I mean, this is a guy that's been around since the 80s. I am 44 years old, and when he was kind of at his peak, I was probably somewhere between the ages of 7 and 12. And this dude still makes music, and it's parody after parody after parody. Weird Al has sold 12 million albums in his career. 12 million albums. Making a lot of money doing that. You know, he's made a career out of it. And now there's going to be a film about him, a biopic starring Harry Potter himself, Daniel Radcliffe. And I find that to be interesting. And it's going to be a, a Roku special available on Roku. Daniel Radcliffe needed something to get out of the shadow of Harry Potter. Is I, this it? I think it is, because he couldn't do a movie as Daniel Ratcliffe, and now he's not doing a movie as Daniel Ratcliffe. He's going to be Weird Al, which is quite a different, drastic character in terms of his appearance, because Daniel Ratcliffe will have to get that very long, curly hair that Weird Al has, and yeah. he, you would think that he's supposed to be not really recognizable at that point. You know, Daniel Ratcliffe is interesting, because obviously he was very successful in that. And now Emma Watson, though, was able to break out of that. You know, we don't... You, she has a career. You know, she looks adult. You know, Dale Radcliffe still looks, even though he has a beard and whatnot, he's one of the few people who has a beard that still looks like a baby. Mm -hmm. and, and it's just a very weird thing. But uh, Weird Al, I'm, I'm on Spotify right now, and I'm taking a look at what the... Uh, his top plays are. I do like the Chameleon Air parody there. But uh, Amish Paradise, which is a, a a parody of Gangsta's Paradise from Coolio, is his number one. White and Nerdy is number two. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say The Party of the CIA. I'm going to assume that that's a Miley Cyrus one. But back in the day, dude, you know, um, it was Eat It instead of Beat It. You know, instead of Bad is I'm Fat. And my favorite one was the Madonna parody of Like a Surgeon instead of Like a Virgin. And I, I don't know either of those two songs, but I've only heard of that uh, that last one, uh, Like a Surgeon, because of How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. The main character, Ted Mosby, claimed that he sent Weird Al fan mail, which is not something we do. Nowadays, we send people tweets asking him to be on our show instead of fan mail be on our show. Uh, and uh, he said that a young 12-year-old that was sending mail to Weird Al was the one who came up with like a surgeon. And uh, they even got a cameo at the very end of uh, Weird Al coming into the show. Now, speaking of How I Met Your Mother, I just realized it's January 18th. So you know that the last night, I think, How no, I Met Your Father came out today. on Hulu. It was today, yeah, on Hulu, How I Met Your, How I Met Your Father, which I, I would hope is better. Because I'm going to be honest with you, was not a big fan of How I Met Your Mother. Now, I had a problem with Ted Mosby. I just... 
I hated that character. Now I liked, uh, uh, I liked. Wow, what was the other character's name? Uh, on Barney Stinson Barney. was probably the best character. Barney on there. was a great character, very funny. The the scene where he's running the marathon was amazing. But what do you know about How I Met Your Father? Is there anything that you know about that? Who stars in that? It, it, it reminded me of uh, our, our first conversation here on Halftime. You asked about like a celebrity crush growing up. Yes. Hillary Duff is the star. Really? And Hillary Duff hasn't done anything that I can really think of in the last decade, and she's the star of the, the show, and she was uh, Lizzie McGuire when I was growing up. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I, it's, my daughter was watching Lizzie McGuire, McGuire growing up also. Uh, I saw the the trailer to it, and I kept on going. She looks so familiar, but I didn't want to say, "Is that Hillary Duff?" And you'd be like, "No, dude, come on, man. How old are you?" But it's weird whenever you see these these um, these celebrities who used to be Disney stars who are now twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty years old, and still doing their thing. Because in our minds, they're still seventeen. In my mind, Weird Al Yankovic is still singing Madonna and Michael Jackson parodies, even though it's been. Man, it's been 35 years. She's 34 now. I, I knew she was Hillary, a little older than Hillary me. Hillary Duff is 34 years old? I want to say she took like 10 years off to focus on her family. She she had a baby and, all, and plenty of Disney money to kind of semi-retire on, and now I think she's trying to get back into it. And she, she is a name, and she obviously has connections, and... This is a fairly big Hulu spin-off reboot. I don't necessarily know how it ties into How I Met Your Mother other than it is just sort of the same general premise. It starts off with a mom explaining how she met her father to her son. You know, uh, it's it's interesting thinking about some of these actors and actresses who were teens and, and whether they're going to break out and do other things. You know, I uh, I take a look at, like, uh, my daughter and I last night were watching the show Victorious, which is a Nickelodeon show that came out probably about eight or nine years ago. My daughter, who's at LSU, loved it growing up. So this is the second time that I've gone through all the episodes. And it starred Victoria Justice, but Ariana Grande was on the show. She was mm. one of the stars of that show, and she broke out. So it's kind of funny when you have this secondary character who broke out and became a huge star. Uh, there's another uh, actress on there who who became who became on um, who came out on Dynasty, uh, Elizabeth Gillies, I believe is her name, and she's been been very popular. But the main character, played by Victoria Justice, you know, never really amounted to much after that. We saw that with iCarly back in the day. Why am I talking about iCarly on this show? But I'm of that age that that I'm a parent who 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 showed this to my kids. You know, that got rebooted on the Paramount channel. And then Cobra Kai is out and Cobra Kai has uh Tori uh, from uh, who, uh, you know, who's complete kicks butt on that show. Uh, but she is, is, is played by a character who's also a former uh, Nickelodeon slash Disney person as well. So it's kind of interesting, but how I met your father. Are you going to watch it? I actually saw that it was trending because apparently at the end of the episode they said in loving memory of Bob Saget and that's how I found out because I think because of that I think it was trending that it's out now and I had no idea until 11 o'clock today and I think I watched the first five minutes and I decided after I get off work I'm going to watch at least the first episode and then I'll ask my girlfriend if she wants to watch that. Because I think 
We just got done watching Game of Thrones. I think it took six months for us to finish Game of Thrones oh, wow. while watching other stuff as well that as it was coming out, like Ted Lasso and such. And we don't we don't really want to do another forty five minute uh, to an hour per episode show. And I always liked that about How I Met Your Mother was that it was like a really good twenty two minute made for television sitcom. I just couldn't get into it. But you know what's going to happen. I'm going to like How I Met Your Father, and Pledger's going to be pissed <laughs> because he's going to hate How I Met Your Father when he loved How I Met Your Mother. I, I agree with you about Ted Mosby. I almost think that they made him look like a good guy the way he acted, but he was really a jerk. It just, I mean, it was just all just, it just wasn't a good show, dude. And, and I'm I sorry, liked it a lot. I'm sorry to R.J. Ochoa, who the, the OG... Uh, at Rock the Mic OG because he was a huge fan as well. I just couldn't get into it, and and I it's not like there's like I'm so old that I can't get into that show. I remember watching it when it was coming out. It just didn't do it for me. But I will give How I Met Your Father a chance. Now I gotta ask you a quick question, Carl. Do you watch any shows that come out on regular TV right now? Anything on ABC, CBS, no. NBC, or Fox? No, and anytime I watch football, I'm just amazed at what they're throwing out there, and I suppose is sticking. I, I want to say Modern Family was the last one that I actually gave an episode or two to watch, and I didn't hate it. I thought it was amusing, but you know, I feel like I feel like national TV shows are, are just playing the stereotypes a little bit too much, and that's kind of odd because. The you know PC culture we live in is trying to ask us to go away from that. Yet you you know that's sort of what sells on the mainstream videos. Yeah, I I see what you're saying. Um, right now I only watch maybe a handful of shows. Uh, it used to be man, I used to watch fifteen and twenty, and every year it seems to get the number gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Right now, my wife and I we watch Grey's Anatomy, we watch Station Nineteen because Grey's has been around for eighteen years. It's just a part of your life, and you just kind of keep watching it because it's more habit than anything else. Station 19 is actually a pretty good show, and you can actually watch that on Hulu. Manifest was a show that I used to watch a lot of on NBC for a few years, and then suddenly last year it got carried by by Netflix, and it became a huge thing on Netflix. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I've been watching this for three years. That's your thing. I've been talking about how this has been a great show for so long, but now it's on Netflix, and Netflix decided to revive it because it never ended. The way that it ended on NBC didn't have an actual ending, and now they're going to bring back, I believe, like a half season of it to kind of put it all together. Yeah, my girlfriend watched Manifest all the way through without me. It became kind of like her just little side show when I wasn't around. Yeah. And she told me about it, and I just never really watched it. I, I I heard the premise. It sounded okay, but, you know, we got other things going on if we're not watching shows together. So I might have to watch it, but she was very excited to hear about that, too. So I, I know of that. I don't, I've don't. i not seen it, though. It's a great show. One last show I'll, I'll recommend for listeners and for you, Carl. We hear it whenever we watch football, playoff football. They're going to say, uh, catch an episode of Ghosts, the funny comedy on CBS. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. That's a good show. Is it? That's a very, very funny show. I cannot wait for th Oh, it's going to go on Paramount. I, I would hope that it would have gone to like a Twitter, to, to a, a Netflix or a Hulu, because that's a great show to binge watch. I watch it weekly, but I told my wife, if this show was on Netflix, 
it would be one of the most popular shows out there. But because it's on CBS and very few people watch network TV anymore, people aren't watching it. But you can go on to like on demand and probably call up the first few episodes. You'll have to stomach a couple of commercials along the way. But uh, it's worth it. It's a good show. Yeah, there used to be appointment television, and now it's whenever you can get to a television. Exactly, exactly. But we're going to put a bow on the show on the other side. There's actually a quasi-breaking news involving DeJounte Murray, something that I just read on NBA.com. This is Halftime on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM. Hey, this is Jason Fitz, and you're on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM. It's Halftime on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM. On the go at SASportsStar.com, someone just reached out to me on Twitter and asked if I've ever seen the Weird Al movie UHF. You know, here's the thing. Didn't watch a lot of movies growing up, but UHF is one of them. Spatula City, baby. Spatula City was kind of like a commercial that they had on UHF. It's the stupidest thing in the world, but I enjoyed it. Hey, uh, big thanks to Valerie Maldonado, who pointed out something to me on Twitter. There's an article right now that uh, was just posted an hour ago on NBA.com uh, by an author named Steve Ashburner. And basically what he does is what he calls it the defensive player ladder. So apparently every week or two, he gives a ranking of who he thinks are going to win certain awards. So it could be the MVP ladder, it could be the six-man ladder, whatever the case may be. But when it came to defensive player of the year ladder, he gave his rankings right now that he says these are the people who are going to be the nominees for defensive player of the year for the NBA. And right now he has Giannis at number one. Makes, Understandable. Makes sense. Number two, an oldie but goodie. We've seen this name before, Rudy Gobert of the Jazz. Number three, Draymond Green of the Warriors. So he has big guy, big guy, big guy, right? But he has as the runner-ups or the honorable mentions, I guess, if you will, if you will numbers four through eight in no particular order. He's just saying that these are the next five in line. Joel Embiid of the Sixers. Evan Mobley of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Again, something in common here. All bigs. Jared Vanderbilt of uh, Minnesota, also a big. Miles Turner of Indiana, also a big. The only one who's not a power forward or a center, DeJounte Murray. Mm-hmm. He has DeJounte Murray as number uh, uh, in the top eight, saying that he's hitting career highs and rebounds at 8.8 and steals at 2.0. Now, here's the thing about DeJounte Murray. He has made the All-NBA defensive teams before, got injured. It would be so cool for him to get that back again this time. I think he will end up being on at least the All-NBA second team. It's hard to imagine somebody putting him not on their ballot overall, but I would imagine he would be a first-team uh, contender as well. He really is a top-notch defender. Him and Derek White make up probably the best defensive backcourt in the league. And, yeah, I, I could see that. He, he kind of got snubbed last year. Even some San Antonio voters, uh, San Antonio base voters, didn't vote for him. So, you know, uh, this will be a year that I think he starts to get his voter recognition. I want to say someone got mad at Jeff McDonald for putting T.J. McConnell on the all <laughs> defensive list ahead of him. Well, it's very possible that he could get first team. I don't I think, think that's so. out of the realm at all because, I mean, he does lead the league in steals 
uh, with two per game. There's no other player in the NBA that has two per game. But uh, earlier we were talking about Pop's record. You know, the if he gets the 10 wins and gets the all-time coaching wins record, that it's un- untouchable. I disagree. I think Eric, Eric Spolstra is the only player that has a chance, only coach, rather, that has a chance of getting that record because he started so young. He's been very, very successful this entire time. You know, he puts in another 10 years with 50 win seasons, add another 500, he's in the mix. He's in the game, and he'd still be young enough to keep coaching. So Spolstra is the only one that I think could actually endanger Pop's future record, provided that he does get it. But do you know what I think is an unbreakable record? I mentioned over here that DeJounte Murray has the, the leads the NBA right now with two steals per game. Who leads? Who's the all-time leader in a single season for steals? Not Stockton, I'm taking it, because Stockton's the all-time leader in steals, but I, I guess it wasn't him. I want to say Chris Paul once had a pretty high one, but I don't know the answer off the top of my head. It is Alvin Robertson of the Spurs. Oh, really? That's and, awesome. And Alvin Robertson of the Spurs, I believe, has an unbreakable record. I'm looking it up right now. But Alvin Robertson, back in the mid-'80s, for the Spurs, was an incredible player. He had um, he averaged more than three per game. He averaged good. more than three per game. And it's amazing because I think that that's a record that will never be broken because not only is he the, the holder of the single-season record, he also has second and I believe third as well. So he he has that record. He has the gold, bronze, and silver, if you will. But uh, uh, absolutely amazing. He averaged 3.7 steals in 85-86 in his second year in the NBA for the Spurs. 3.7. Amazing. He averaged 2.2 for his career. 3.2 steals his third year. Three in uh, in 1990. He was a four-time All-Star, three times with the Spurs. Alvin Robertson... I know he's had issues off the court, but he's one of those players where, you know, when you talk about the all-time Spurs roster, if you had to create, like, a 12-man roster, Alvin Robertson would be on it. He would be the backup point guard to Tony Parker. That's a bold statement there. Yeah, I would put him over Avery Johnson all day, every day. All day, every day. Robert uh, Alvin Robertson is the second best point guard the Spurs have ever had. Not the greatest, because the greatest, you know, greatness comes in playoffs. Greatness comes with victories, and it comes with rings. So it, it's it's kind of like the whole debate between who's the better quarterback between Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady. Tom Brady is the more accomplished quarterback, but when it comes to like actual physical tools, Aaron Rodgers is far and above Tom Brady, right? You give Aaron Rodgers top 10 defenses, he would have won more than just one Super Bowl. It's also tough to to really say that, you know, accomplishment and overall skill when somebody like Tom Brady's doing what he's doing, and that's having a career, you know, years in his 40s. <laughs> I know. and he's he's He is absolutely insane. Alvin Robertson, I'm looking at it right now, had 301 steals back in 86. Uh, Don Boos had 281 in 1977, but uh, again, I think that's a record that'll never be beaten. But uh, this is halftime on the San Antonio Sports Star. Tomorrow we are doing movie reviews. Blood in, blood out. Am I gonna be offending people when it comes to this Chicano classic, a prison classic? It was a, it was an interesting movie. I'll say that it was a three-hour-long movie. But Joe and Minix are back at four o'clock. See you tomorrow.